Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Strange Places podcast. I'm your host, Billy Dean Shoemate III. This podcast is brought to you by Spotify and DistroKid, and we're to episode 95. As you can see from the title, today we're going to talk about the Overton Bridge, Overtown, Overtune. I've seen it pronounced a gazillion different ways, even with some official documentaries, documentary, documentary to documentary being different. But from what I gather, in the area, it's from Scotland, they tend to lean towards Overtune to Overton. So just for the sake of brevity, I'm going to call it the Overton Bridge. The Overton Bridge is a really, really bizarre phenomenon that I've seen <laughs> more YouTube videos about it than I can count. I've read more articles than I can count. You know how I am research. And it's kind of funny how everybody kind of pronounces it slightly different. So I'm going to go with what the locals say, how the locals pronounce it. If you ever have difficulty pronouncing something, just go with what the locals are saying. So they tend to lean toward, like I said, Overtune, Overton, but we're going to call it Overton. I might be completely wrong. And I have listeners from Scotland. So, uh, <laughs> I'm going to say it about a million times during the recording of this episode, so hopefully it does not drive you crazy. So let's get into it. Nestled amidst the, well, I'll just say it like it is, beautifully serene <laughs> Scottish countryside, near the village of Milton lies the Overton Bridge, seemingly unassuming structure when I first laid my eyes on it, but it has a bit of a haunting reputation. For decades... It's been associated with a pretty chilling and perplexing phenomenon. Dogs leaping to their deaths from its parapet. Today, let's go on a little journey. See if we can uncover the mystery surrounding the Overton Bridge, examining the perspectives of believers in the supernatural and skeptics seeking scientific explanations, which is what we, what we do on this show. See if we can arrive at something, anything, to try and either explain or shoot this down. Is there something here? Well, let's find out. From what I can see, it's constructed in the 19th century as a part of the Overton estate. The bridge has witnessed a disturbing pattern of canine deaths, to say the least. It was in the 1950s that reports of dogs leaping from the bridge began to emerge. Locals were shocked by the frequency of these incidents, with some claiming that up to six dogs a year meeting their tragic end, just inexplicably jumping off the bridge and killing themselves. The bridge's dark legacy captured the attention of experts who struggled to explain this uncanny and bizarre phenomenon. During the 50s, locals started referring to the bridge as the Bridge of Death or the Dog Suicide Bridge, as it was reported that dogs were leaping from this thing into the ravine. The story gained more prominence during the late 2000s, early 2010s. In 2004, Kenneth Michael, I'm so sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Kenneth Michael was walking with his family and Golden Retriever when the dog suddenly bolted, jumped over the bridge. It survived, but the dog was never the same since. And I'm not talking mentally or physically. The dog did recover that way, but the dog was just completely traumatized. Going into 2005, at least five other dogs also jumped over the course of six months. Five. 
in six months. These are all verifiable, too. In 2014, Alice Trevorrow, who was walking with her Springer Spaniel named Cassie, reported a strange experience on Overton Bridge that we can't overlook. We have to talk about this one. She said, and I quote, I had parked up, and as she is so obedient, I didn't put her lead on. Me and my son walked toward Cassie, who was staring at something above the bridge, very intently, like someone was speaking to her. She definitely saw something in that small area of space right above the edge of the bridge that made her jump. There is something sinister going on. It was so out of character for her. That was a quote. Let's go back a little bit. October 1994. This one has to be mentioned as well. And what's funny is I didn't see this in a lot of the research. I only saw this in some of it. So I was wondering if this story was apocryphal, but no, I was able to verify it. So got to mention it here. Sorry about my squeaky chair. I really got to get a new chair. <laughs> Every time I breathe, this thing just squeaks. And it's getting annoying trying to mix that out. I need a new chair. In October of 1994, paranoid schizophrenic Kevin Moy threw his two-week-old son to his death from the bridge because he believed that his son was an incarnation of the devil due to a weird birthmark. He chose the location due to its association with dark spirits going back to the Druidic days. Following his act of murder, Moy then attempted to commit several times by jumping off the bridge himself and slashing his wrists, but he was detained and placed in a mental, hosp uh, mental hospital. Now, each time he attempted this, jumping off the bridge, as well as when he killed his son, he was seen staring at an area of space just above the ledge of the bridge. Sound familiar? There are numerous rumors and stories of other human suicides, but the rest of those are pretty unverifiable, aside from this one, you know, with Kevin Moy. It said that more, and locals are saying this, that more, quote-unquote, sensitive people, vibrationally energy-sensitive people, are prone to jumping from the bridge. And people with certain conditions like this, schizophrenia, are included in those people who are supposedly more sensitive to these hidden vibrations going on. A number of theories have been proposed as to the behavior of the dogs on the bridge. See, in 2014, uh, from uh, what I learned in my research, is that in 2014, a canine psychologist, his name is David Sands, he proposed that the surrounding foliage, given the, in reality, extremely steep drop off the side of the bridge, that uh, the appearance of even ground, combined with the residual odor of male mink urine in the area, could be the culprit for luring dogs to jump off the bridge. This theory was protested by a local hunter and resident of 50 years, and this is an apocryphal, we have his name, John Joyce, who stated that there were no mink in the area. However, in an investigation by the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds, Officer David Sexton found that one end of the bridge reportedly favored by dogs contained nests of mice, squirrels, and minks. Furthermore, in an experiment in which 10 dogs were exposed to canisters filled with mouse, squirrel, and mink scent, seven of the dogs all went 
bananas. They went crazy. They went straight for the mink scent, many of them pretty dramatically. However, it does need to be noted that the dogs, every single one of them, still showed signs of self-preservation and non-suicidal behavior. The Scottish Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals has investigated the bridge and the surrounding area, but none of their findings proved conclusive. They also stated that there's no mink in the area, nor is there a higher-than-normal concentration of rodent urine. So who do we go with here? Let's go back to that. File that away for now. Fast forward to 2019, the owners of Overton House, Bob and Melissa Hill, said that in 17 years of residing at the house, they had witnessed a number of dogs become agitated, jump off, fall from the bridge. Nine times out of ten, they die. Every one of them stared at the same spot over the ledge before doing so. This invisible area of space right over the edge of the bridge. Straight up, like up over the edge. Bob Hill, originally a pastor from Texas, stated that the scent of mink, pine martens, other animals agitated the dogs, resulting in their jump onto the bridge wall. He said, and I quote, the dogs catch the scent of mink, pine martens, or some other mammal, and then they jump off the wall of the bridge. And because it's tapered, they just topple over, quote. However, Hill also stated his belief that the, uh, that the grounds of the house held some sort of spiritual quality he couldn't put his finger on. Local teacher Paul Owens argues that the bridge and nearby Overton House are haunted by supernatural activity. He claims that dogs and other animals are sensitive to such supernatural activity, so he proposes that dark spirits are responsible for luring dogs to their deaths and may have had a hand in the incident that happened with uh, Kevin Moy. Yeah, tell me about it. Bizarre. The allure of the Overton Bridge to paranormal enthusiasts. I mean, like I said, we, we, I tell you it every time. We got to look at both sides, right? We'd be remiss if we don't. It lies in the belief that it's a port. They state that it's a portal to the supernatural. Those people who believe in ley lines, which you should know what they are, but if you don't know what they are, they're these. Imaginary lines, kind of like latitude and longitude, but these are lines of latitude and longitude of spiritual energy and where these lines cross and converge, you find bizarre activity like this, weak spots. It's like the old adage of the medicine ball, right? The earth is a medicine ball. Some areas of it get handled more than others. So some parts of the ball are starting to wear through. That's what they think these ley line convergences are. So that's what they're saying. Believers propose theories of the bridge acting as a vortex, a gateway between realms or the intersection of, you know, the ley lines. They contend that these energies may influence the behavior of animals, leading to the inexplicable canine deaths. Paranormal investigators have sought evidence through various methods. People have been out there with EV, you know, EVP recorders, infrared cameras, psychic mediums have been out there. Nobody knows what to say nobody's come to anything conclusive they have their theories yeah but no meat nothing to back it up 
Numerous investigations, man, numerous, driven by both paranormal enthusiasts and skeptics alike, have attempted to uh, unravel the mysteries of Overton Bridge. Paranormal researchers have deployed state-of-the-art stuff, conducted extensive field studies to capture any possible evidence of supernatural presence. Skeptics, on the other hand, have employed scientific methods such as behavioral analysis, the dog study, sound frequency measurement, architectural assessments. I got to tell you, though, despite these efforts, definitive answers have remained elusive, deepening this enigma surrounding Overton Bridge. Neither side has come up with definitive proof, thereby making this a complete mystery. The enigma of Overton Bridge persists, right? Defining explanation, <laughs> easy explanation anyway, we'll try, because I have a few ideas. The bridge continues to haunt the imagination, inviting speculation about the intersection of the natural and supernatural realms, if that's the case. While believers in the paranormal uphold the notion that mystical forces are at play, skeptics strive for scientific understanding, as they all do. In the end, the Overton Bridge... To them, to everybody really, stands as a testament to the enduring power of the mystery and the limits of human comprehension, urging us to explore the unknown with an open mind and a relentless pursuit of truth. But will we find it? That's the main thing. Kind of like the pursuit of happiness, right? That's a saying in America. You have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> I always tell people when I'm feeling a little bit cheeky, that our constitution says pursuit of happiness doesn't say you're going to get it, it just says you can pursue it all day long <laughs> anyway i'm not going to get political here i just like saying that joke when i'm able to there's not a lot to work with here even though we do have some verifiable things so if we pardon the expression want to sit down in encyclopedia brown this bitch you know it's gonna be very very difficult to do the dog suicide bridge bridge of death I think we need to do this systematically, as we do with more involved cases like this, right? So, I say let's just take one thing at a time. What we do know, going all the way back to the 50s, that's when it was first reported, anyway, might go back even farther than that. Dogs are inexplicably leaping to their deaths in alarming numbers, and we have no clue why. Dogs, as well as the... Paranoid schizophrenic Kevin Moy, who murdered his son back in 94, they all look at this area right above the edge of the bridge, straight up, like they're being communicated to or something's talking to them or what have you. We even have that quote from the, uh, what's her name? Um, Alice Trevorrow, who said it looked like somebody was talking to the dog. She had that same kind of look once, you know, a human being is communicating with her. That's how she put it anyway. That's a, that's a strange kind of twist in this. Now, what gets me is Kevin Moy, a paranoid schizophrenic, which already taints a lot of the evidence already. He's a paranoid schizophrenic. You know what I mean? Why he chose Overton Bridge? I don't know. He's a paranoid schizophrenic. God knows, right? I mean, he thought his son was the Antichrist due to a strange birthmark on him. He said... And this is a quote from him. He chose the location due to its association with dark spirits going all the way back to the Druidic days. 
Do you know where the Festival of Samhain came from? What eventually became Halloween? Yeah, we're talking about ancient Celts. Scottish countryside. That's where it started. I don't know exactly what happened during those times. I wasn't there. But there's a lot of dark stories about... Take your pick. <laughs> these are the ancient Druids, the Celts. I'm not dogging them, but these were deeply, deeply spiritual people. And like all human beings, uh, sometimes their past may be a little bit violent, a little bit tainted. And I'm not dogging them. Take any group of people, go back far enough in their past, you're going to find some messed up shit. So no, it, it's not just them, but it happened. Unlock the secrets to financial success with Money Mindset Mastery, a transformative podcast on Spotify. We simplify complex financial jargon and arm you with winning strategies for wealth creation. Whether you're a novice investor or a seasoned pro, join us each week as we change the way you think about money, sparking your journey to financial freedom. Money Mindset Mastery, where finance meets motivation. Tune in today and master your money your way. A link will be provided in this episode's description, so check it out. It said that people with certain conditions are sensitive to stuff like that. That's impossible to prove, but I've heard that before. Now, the behavior of the dogs. 2014, canine psychologist said that <clears throat> the surrounding foliage, <clears throat> excuse me, the mink scent, the rodent scent, the rodent urine, that the, the dogs were just going nuts and jumping over because of that. Now we have official uh, uh, sections of the local government, protection of birds, wildlife. Officer David Sexton says, yeah, there's a mink in the area. But then we have residents here who've been in that area forever saying, no, there's no mink. You have the priest that, uh, was it the priest that said there was mink too? He corroborated that. Let me go back through my notes and double check. Okay, so the priest is saying that there's mink too. So really when you look at it, do we have any other... Like I said, you know, we, we, we save the... Um, we save some of the research from when we're sitting here recording. So I like real reactions, you know. But then we have the Scottish Society of the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals saying there's no mink in the area. So we have one official source saying there is and a priest. And on the other side, we have a 50-year-plus resident and an official entity saying that there's not. There's two and two. Two on one side, two on the other side. This makes it extremely difficult, but I'm going to go out on a limb here. Actually, I don't even have to go out on a limb. I'm going to say this. <clears throat> even if there was mink in the area, we have the study, right? So the presence of mink urine, we can completely scratch that. We don't even need that. The fact that there's mink in that area or not doesn't matter because of the dog study. The dog study, all of the dogs, and this is very important, all of the dogs still showed signs of self-preservation and non-suicidal behavior. 
It doesn't matter if there's mink in that area or not. And you see with a lot of these documentaries and YouTube videos and stuff, they really focus on the mink thing. Well, like with strange places, what do we do here? We use our common sense, right? Common sense will get you really, really close to the answer, trust me. Almost every time. And if not, that's a hell of a foundation to have. Common sense. And I get it. You want so much for the thing to be real. You want so much to believe in the supernatural. And We've proven things on this show. It's real, okay? <laughs> but you want so... Some of it is. But you want so much for the thing to be the thing. And you want, you know, so much to have these wild, fantastical, romantic, you know, crazy stories to be true. That sometimes you overlook what's right in your face. You have preconceived things and damn it, you will not let them go. Sorry, mink doesn't matter. I don't care if there's a million mink in the area or none. In the presence of the mink urine, the dogs, yeah, they went ape shit, but they all showed signs of self-preservation. They conducted the test in which dogs could, you know, they still had it controlled, but a dog would see certain things that they set up in the test as extremely dangerous. The dogs, this is so important, the dogs all showed signs of self-preservation. So what the hell is going on? The rumors about supernatural entities, dark spirits, that's all unverifiable. We can't prove that for sure. I do think it's a little weird that it was around this area that historians are saying the Festival of Samhain was first celebrated. Interesting, <laughs> but you know that has nothing to do with it. I just think it's cool. People are saying ley lines. I am confident in myself enough in saying... We haven't researched things like ley lines on this show enough to really draw any conclusions as if they're real or not, right? We haven't done an episode on ley lines. We haven't even talked about them yet. They are a thing, some people say. And there's some really bizarre things in these uh, where the ley lines kind of cross. Great pyramids at Giza, the Bermuda Triangle, despite the fact that the Bermuda Triangle is a really big area. But anyway, Pumapunku is one of them. Uh, Teotihuacan, I believe might be, I, I think, yeah, that's one of them too. Baltic Sea Anomaly, that's another one. Yeah. But then again, there's completely empty fields in Midwestern America <laughs> that cross ley lines too. Middle of places in the middle of the ocean where no supernatural events have occurred at all. I'm not debunking ley lines here. I'm just saying it like it is. And don't you think that if dogs had a hypersensitivity to the crossing of ley lines to the point where they would commit suicide, why aren't there an alarming number of suicides at every ley line convergence? Why? Why aren't dogs jumping to their deaths in alarming numbers off the top of the Great Pyramid? <clears throat> because it's reasonable to assume. I know Assumption's the mother of all fuck-ups. But it's reasonable to say that... If ley lines exist, the convergence and crossing of those ley lines is not what's causing these dogs to commit suicide because we would see it at every intersection of ley lines. I've looked at a few. I don't look at all of them, but I started losing the control number. You dig what I'm saying? There's only a certain number I even need to look at to determine, okay, that's not what's making the dogs do it. There's been some odd things with animals at certain quote-unquote, you know, ley line convergence points. There's been some weird animal behavior. 
which we'll get into on this show eventually, I guarantee it. But nothing like this. So don't you think that if the convergence of the ley lines was a thing, that we would see this at every intersection, right? That makes sense, doesn't it? Now, I'm speculating here, obviously. Yeah. But it's common sense, and it just doesn't hold up. <laughs> it just doesn't. So what the hell is happening with these dogs? It doesn't take a genius to see that animals, dogs in particular, are a lot more sensitive than we are. Their sense of hearing is something we can't even comprehend it's so good. Their sense of smell, even more so. It's amazing what their senses can do. We can't even fathom it. I mean, <laughs> did you know that a dog's sense of smell is 10,000 to 100,000 times more acute than a human's? One of the reasons a dog has much better smelling ability than we do is with the number of scent receptors. For every one a human has, a dog has about 50. Did you know that dogs can zero in on individual particles in the air? That's amazing. Imagine your sense of smell. Or pick out the person that you just think has an uncanny sense of smell. My grandfather was like that. He could smell anything. <laughs> you were hiding chocolate in the house. He could smell it. You had a cigarette you know, six hours ago that you snuck out back and had behind the freaking shed, he could smell it. Doesn't matter how much mouthwash you use. He could smell it. And just picture the guy or the gal in your life that just has a ridiculous sense of smell. Even a normal sense of smell. Multiply that by a hundred thousand. Truly, we cannot comprehend how sensitive that is. And then the hearing. We all know that Dogs have a keen sense of hearing and hear better than we do, but dogs hear nearly twice as many frequencies. I'm not saying their sense of hearing is twice as better, twice as, you know, two times ours. I'm saying they hear twice as many frequencies as we do. That's amazing. They can hear sounds four times further away to what human ears can, like, so what human ears can hear from 20 feet away Dogs can hear 80 feet away. It's unfathomable. We can imagine and we can pretend and all that stuff, but honestly, it is unfathomable. Imagining having senses that acute. Is it reasonable to say that dogs can pick up things on the other wavelengths, some kind of other vibration? I guess, I, I honestly, I think it is. I think it's reasonable to say that. We've seen a lot of evidence of dogs, cats, other animals, very sensitive ones like that, that sp spook at absolutely nothing. They stare off into space, right? They look like someone's talking to them. They beg at thin air. Cats will trail something walking through the room. We don't know what they're thinking. You say, oh, it's just a dog, it's just a cat, they're just instinct. I think they're more intelligent than what we give them credit for. I think, honestly, the reason why we see some animals as unintelligent is just because they can't speak English or pick up a paintbrush. You know what I mean? I think animals know a lot more than we, what we give them credit for. And I do. I think dogs and cats, <clears throat> in particular, are sensitive to things that we that are behind the veil. You know what I mean? It's a personal belief of mine 
And yeah, we're getting into personal feelings here. But I just got to tell you, it doesn't take a fucking rocket rocket scientist to draw the conclusion that dogs and cats they're on they're on another wavelength here. There are frequencies of light that are completely invisible to us. There's frequencies of sound that are completely that we're completely deaf to that these animals can pick up. Time isn't linear. We just see it that way. Are all these dimensions existing at the same time? Are we've you know, <laughs> if the paranormal did not exist, then this show wouldn't exist. We would just debunk everything and I'd turn this into a comedy show where we would just make fun of all these wackos saying that they're seeing stuff. No, we've proven things on this show. The supernatural, the paranormal exists. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know who controls it. I don't know the science behind it, but it's fucking there. Dan Aykroyd, the actor. I saw a wonderful interview with him one time. They asked him, what do you tell children when they ask you, a Ghostbuster, <laughs> do you believe in ghosts? And his reply was astounding. He said, I respect children as little people, as little beings. I'm not going to BS them. I'm going to tell them straight up what I believe. I'm not going to lie to them. And he gave this analogy. He said, yes, I do. I do believe in ghosts. I believe in aliens, all that. I love Dan Aykroyd, but if you've ever seen him on the Joe Rogan podcast, Dan Aykroyd's one of those guys. God bless him. Uh, he just believes everything. <laughs> but that's cool that he has an open mind. And when Joe Rogan shoots something down or corrected something, Dan Aykroyd doesn't, he's not like, you know, so many other people that I know to be like, well, I'm sticking to it. No, he's open to reinterpretation. And, you know, he's just a brilliant human being. But Dan Aykroyd made the analogy that really got me thinking. He said, and this is true, by the way, in between air molecules, everything's solid, right? These are molecules. These are atoms floating around. What's in between those molecules? What's in between those atoms? What's in between the proton and the electron? The neutron. What's in between all this? Space. Nothing. Empty space. I know it doesn't make sense, but there is more empty space in this atmosphere than outside of it. I know it doesn't make sense, but the amount of empty space in between the things that we think are solid is as vast as the universe outside of this tiny backwater minuscule planet. That freaks me out. There's more empty space here than probably what's outside of here. Earth is very unique. Because that has life on it, right? Intelligent life. What's in between all these molecules, all these nuclei, all these electrons? Empty fucking space. What exists in that space? And Dan Aykroyd says that. I think all of everything that we're considering ghosts and all that exists in that empty space that we can't see. Might very well be. Can't prove it. But man, what a thought. Smart cat, Mr. Aykroyd. Very smart. Well, I would expect no less from a Ghostbuster, but <laughs> this case here, I think it goes without saying that this is inconclusive for sure. We don't have anything that straight up debunks this. We don't have anything that proves it. All we know is that dogs are leaping to their death in droves off of this bridge. And maybe people who suffer certain conditions are more sensitive. We know that dogs are. 
But is that the cause? We don't know. But I do think that sensitivity has something to do with it. I just don't know what. It plays some... You know, it has some play in this equation. I just don't know where. So, yeah, uh, we don't really have anything to pin this one down. So what do you think of the inconclusive Overton Bridge? Go on Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com for all things Strange Places related. All the social media links are there, as well as the link to get to our Patreon account, where you can get everything from bonus episodes, giveaways of certain tiers, ad-free episodes, all kinds of stuff. Little as a dollar a month, you'd be a huge help to the channel. If you want to do that little extra, check it out. Shout out to the patrons, by the way, which is also on one of the tiers. Yeah, shout out to the patrons. <laughs> the Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel, Donald Haynes, David Peterson. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for supporting the show like you do. And yeah, that is all we got. Now, are we ever going to run out of strange places to talk about? I don't think so. Because every town has a strange place. And maybe one day, we'll visit yours. The Strange Places podcast is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a music label for truly independent artists. They will distribute and share your music on every streaming platform the internet has to offer. And the best part is that you keep all of your royalties. In fact, DistroKid has made history, marking the first time that an artist on the charts made 100% of their earnings. This is the music industry's worst nightmare, giving indie artists complete control over their art. For only 20 bucks a year, you can upload unlimited music, and with the split feature, you can split a percentage of the earnings to your bandmates. If you click the affiliate link in this episode's description, you get 7% off the first year. But did I mention that after that, it's only 20 bucks a freaking year? I've been a musician for a long time. My music is heard all over the world, and yours should be too. Click the link in this episode's description to not only support Strange Places, but put control of your own music back into your hands. No contracts, no hidden clauses, no lovely coin men in their lovely, lovely suits. Thanks to DistroKid for being a sponsor and giving this old dog an audience.